But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. What's going on, everybody? This is the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. I am joined by my good friend, Wilkie V. Law the Third Will. What is going on today? Oh, man. It's a sunny, humid day here in Houston. Mm. In December 12, December 29th. It's mm-hmm. like the perfect end to this year. Uh, we had the cold front that came in. We're supposed to get another one come in, but right now, I mean, it's still T-shirt weather. So, mm-hmm. mm. By cold front, front, law means like, you know, 60 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, talking with Ben about how when I got up this morning, it was six degrees at our house. Wow. So, and yeah. And you're in the basement. And you're in the basement. Actually, the basement is one of the warmest places in the house when the when the heat kicks on because it's so small and so kind of confined. Um, so, yeah, but we are we're pumped today to have our guy, a, a founding board member of Lighthouse Educator Development. Um, and just uh, a genuine good human, Mr. Ben Scoggin, on the podcast for what's got to be, I don't know, the seven, eight, nine, ten. He's 10 human? Time. He's human? I, I never knew he was human. He is. He's got some feelings. Some. Not enough. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, man. Uh, so I'm excited to be back on with y'all. Talking yeah. About whatever topics we, we hit today. So It's always yeah, a good time with you, Ben, because, you know, you, you, you add, always add such a fresh perspective. You're you're such a you're such a scholar, and 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 because you're such a student of of all things, it's like it you you you're a good person to kind of bounce things off of. And I remember when we first made the decision about the board members, and we were like, hey, it, it has to be the colonel because no one gives you a fresh perspective the way you do. And so yeah. that's appreciated. And I know our listeners can glean something from it because again, somebody who's not in that education space who can just offer some general good guidance and good perspective, you know, everybody needs that right now. So. Yeah. And, and, and I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I was going to say, you're like, that was more compliments than I deserved right there. So I was going to try and, you know, (laughs) try and and take take yourself down a peg. I was going to knock myself down a few pegs. Like I was going through the roof and it's about 10 over me, you know. Yeah, you I mean, can knock well, me down, or you can build me up, and I'll have a longer I, way to fall. Yeah. I, I, I know that a lot of our listeners, our teachers who are continuing professional education or going through some type of collegiate program. So, I would love to hear just a little bit to start because you are in a, correct me if this is wrong, biomedical engineering program. Is that the correct title of it? 
sort of. Uh, Close-ish. It's molecular genetics technology. Okay, molecular so the, genetics technology. Yeah, the the the, the premise is um, using DNA or RNA in uh, to perform diagnostics. Mm. Uh, it's one of the primary forces, and then after this degree, you can continue on and pursue master's phd go to medical school whatever you know other field you want to but um the this particular program is for molecular genetics technology so um uh, and and you're in the u of h system somewhere right uh no <laughs> okay i got it all keep got swinging though no, don't stop just keep swinging so no we're good you're, we're good so you're uh, at harvard right so what's it like at mit well, I'm in Texas, so I don't know. Uh, no, so it's this program is it's a joint program between the University of Texas Health, right? UT Health, oh, UT right? Health, there you and go. MD Anderson. So UT is basically the uh, the accrediting institution that allows this program to grant bachelor's degrees, right, or any degree, because there are other programs outside of the bachelor's of science. Right. You need to stop nudging me, buddy. Sorry, my dog keeps pushing me. Right. And so MD Anderson is really where it's the campus where all of our classes occur. Right. And uh, MD Anderson's interest in all of this is because they're one of the leading cancer research institutions in the nation. Right. So it's particularly in the field of molecular genetics, being able to look at um, abnormalities in the, the human genome. Uh, can really help us find answers or additional diagnostic tools for cancer. Sorry, I have the very rude animal here for and the in the in the field of cancer research, right? And then there's other things like right now with COVID nineteen, uh, being able to analyze the the structure of the virus to be able to diagnose it in various cases and eventually get to the place where we are now where you can go get same day testing because you remember at the start of it there mm -hmm. wasn't anything like that and i remember reading articles about like uh, uh, a kid that was in or i say a kid he was a young adult that was in the program that i'm in that was working along with two other students in the master's program coming up with an in-house covid19 test for md anderson patients before we had streamlined testing that could be sent out across the nation to different facilities. So um, getting a little off track of, of your initial topic, but there's, there's a multitude of different things that you could do in the world of molecular genetics from infectious diseases to cancer research and so on. So I guess then the question we'd love to ask you is how has the experience been of, I mean, cause normally it would be a program like a traditional college program where you would be going down and taking classes and stuff like that. So how has the experience been for you um, being during, trying to do this program during COVID-19? Yeah. So uh, right now, uh, last semester and this semester, how it's, how it's worked. So last semester, Every class was online, but two. So one of the key things about these um, clinical laboratory science fields is that I, I, you need to get into the lab and be hands-on, right? To, to 
culture the bacteria, to practice micropipetting, to run gel electrophoresis, to actually do all these skills before you go out to the workforce in whatever specific discipline you're in, right? You need to have some sort of experience, right? And that's a key component of this program. It's one of the things that they pride themselves on. It's one of the things that they boast about is the higher level of experience that you get here than you would at say a traditional institution. Uh, so this year, uh, all of our classes, except for the laboratory sessions have been online. And the laboratory sessions are more confined because we have to find a way to get everyone in, in an organized fashion. So every time you walk on campus, uh, you have to, to badge in, right? Everything's securely locked by an ID and you have to use your ID badge, you badge in, and you're immediately tested upon walking in. Temperature is taken, hand sanitizer is applied, you're issued two different masks, masks for public areas, communal areas, and a mask for the lab, right? You go into the lab and it's like any, any other time in the lab, there's a lecture component, we go over what we're going to do today and then we get to work, right? Uh, I think that it has been a struggle for some more than others, as are most challenges in life. Some people are going to struggle more than others, uh, but the, the 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 time constraints I think have been a, a big weight for a lot of our faculty, as far as not having the flexibility that they would normally like. You know, if you only have one day a week to run your lab and you miss something, we we wouldn't have another shot. We had to push um, some of our laboratory sessions from this semester to, for sorry, from last semester to this coming semester. So our first laboratory session for this coming semester starting next week is going to actually be something we were going to do at the end of the fall semester. Um, and it's all a byproduct of our COVID restrictions, right? Understanding that we have to abide by, and we're attached to a medical facility here. So we have to be as safe as humanly possible, right? Um, I think that's one of the big ones. And I don't know if y'all have seen that in your world, um, being in, you know, elementary, junior high, high school, if, you know, you've got X amount of days on, I know some schools are doing, you know, a, a hybrid X amount of days on campus, X amount of days online per week and some are doing just online and some are doing all face-to-face -face still on campus. Uh, but one of the things I've talked with a couple people here is that like, they just feel like it's a struggle um, with the time, you know, which sounds crazy. Cause you're like, Oh, you're online. Why well, you've got all the time in the world, but I don't know. There just seems to be an issue of time that has come up. Well, and just for me thinking about it, you know, I, I teach middle school social studies. So really, I mean, for me, if I miss a few things or I don't cover everything, it's not the end of the world. But man, I'm just trying to think about a program like yours that is so specific and so detailed that you have to have those skills. That must be such an added layer of pressure, you know, for students and for faculty to be able to to make that work. Cause you can't miss that stuff. If you're going to go out into the workforce or you're going to go on to be, you know, let's just say hypothetically, you wanted to be an astronaut doctor that uh, was the first doctor on Mars, just hypothetically, if that's what you wanted to do, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can't miss it. You can't miss any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's true. And you know, you we're doing 
the, and I, you can tell that our faculty are doing the, the best that they can with the time they have and the resources that they have. Having to adapt on the fly the summer before to a hybrid teaching like structure platform, whatever you want to call it, like they there was no advance notice. It wasn't like that at the end of the previous academic year. They were like, hey, this is what we're going to do next semester. It was the summer before the fall semester. We have to change how we do everything now. Right or we don't have a college. So, you know, I think that the, the whole online thing too, then um, I'm, I'm just going to be real about it. I know, I know that when we tune in for a Zoom class with our professors, if you don't see somebody on camera, this is different from the last topic, so I'm kind of segueing a little bit. No, but man, go for it. I th I know it is it, it is a main point of frustration for the teachers, and I heard I hear about it. I've watched like news reports on it and whatnot. That I don't see you on the camera, or I see a freeze frame where little Timmy hasn't blinked in 20 minutes, right? Or your camera just is off, and I'm like, it's it's. Yeah, you want to use the honor system, but at the same time, I'm like, I know you're not there. I know you're not there. Right. I know you're not there, and I want to be able to trust you as a teacher, but I know you're not there. And so at the beginning of our semester, what happened was uh, they were like, we're going to request that everyone turn on their cameras. But there were, nobody held anyone accountable. So if you didn't turn on the camera, there were no repercussions. You know, And that was across the board in all of our classes. I understand that nobody wants to have a conflict with their students or have to argue or, you know, lay down the law. Right. But like, and so I guess the, the most direct repercussion to that would be, okay, you failed the test. Then if your performance starts to lag, then this school is actually pretty unique in that they put you on a performance plan, which I've never had before at a college. I've never, or I've never seen it before at a college. U of H, I'd never heard of it. Lone Star College, I'd never heard of it. Santa Monica College, I'd never heard of it, you know. But, yeah, turn on your cameras. And, you know, and it's funny you say that because, like, and I know in our district, when we were virtual, it wasn't mandatory for students to turn on their cameras. Like, I couldn't make kids turn on their cameras. Um, and as a teacher, as an educator, that's difficult to navigate when you're trying to teach and all you're looking for, looking at is blank screens, mm -hmm. you know? So I had my kids, I was like, look, one of my scavenger hunts at the beginning of the year, I was like, since the district is not gonna do this, then I need you to change your icon to something that will remind me of you, you know? And so I, I say, it could, be, it could be something about your personality. It could be something about, it could be, a, you know, a bitmoji, it could be anything that, talks you know that shows me who you are and the kids got very creative you know and even now some of the kids like I know them because of their icon that they put on there mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like they give you lemons so you got to make some lemonade you know but it, it is very frustrating like Kyle and I talked about it in, in in length about how difficult it is for both of us to teach to an empty room like to make instructional videos where there's no one there so just imagine trying to give direct instruction where you have no, and usually you'll have two or three kids that want to be brave, but if the majority of the kids are not on, they're going to shut their cameras off. Mm -hmm. 
And I've seen and, I've seen that with the the adults in my program because we've got a lot of fresh out of, like you know or early twenties, but there's a lot of people thirties, forties, fifties in the in these different programs that I'm in in the same classes, and you'll see somebody pop up on camera, and then like you see the eyes kind of shift around to all the little zoom frames and. And then they shut it up. They're like, oh, nobody else is here? Me neither. <laughs> off. And I'm like, man. And I, you look at the face of it, and like, you look at the face of the professor, and it's just, hey, class, it's time to talk about the kidneys today. It's time to talk about ureters. Let's talk about the digestive system. And they're like, they've got no enthusiasm because they're just talking to a wall. Yeah, and That's and a I take. yeah, yeah, and I can tell. I mean, even just being able to um, have kids on and and be able to get them to be like, "Hey, does everyone hear what I'm saying? If you can hear what I'm saying, give me a thumbs up." And I'm like, "Oh, right on, good. <laughs> hey, does everybody understand the instructions? Give me a thumbs up. Oh, hey, right on." And and in those do live you sessions, say right on. No, I don't say right on. That just I feel like you right need to there. say right on. You oh, also need to wear oh, flip yeah, flops right and a on. Hawaiian shirt and grow your hair. <laughs> right on, kids. Yeah, yeah bro. Like it's so sick, crazy, bro. We're gonna jump on this magical bus of learning, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, you could. Is, I think that that ship of hair has sailed. It has, uh, is it, it's no longer in the port. <laughs> maybe it's no, maybe no, no. It's, he's gonna he's gonna have like one of those. Oh man, that I'm just trying to hang on to whatever I get where it's nothing here and comb it's just over. growing all. Let the it sides. all grow right here and then comb it back. Yeah, it's gonna look like a a rock with a bunch of moss coming off of it. <laughs> Don't spit it up. Don't spit it up. <laughs> I think it looks tight the way it is. Do you guys remember? The uh the little the little uh magnet man where you would like use the magnet and shift the little uh huh and you can little give metal it, yeah, particles you can, around yeah you can draw That's on Kyle. a beard That's, yeah he, came, he yeah. came to life he came to life as Kyle I, I do <laughs> sorry I've been oh. trying to I've been trying to you know mm, church it up a little bit but I had to man oh it's well, I'll open up the door bang bang <laughs> yeah get after it so um. You know, beyond just, you know, your experience being uh, a student right now, we, we did really want to talk because you and I, um, let's just clarify. I mean, we've all known each other. God, I think I met you, Ben, maybe just a little bit before I met Wilkie. But, I mean, we've known each other tight for a good six or seven years. So, you know, we have that. And one thing that we were talking about and you and I have been talking about a lot is how to not take things personally when you disagree with somebody. And, and we have that ability, I think because we have the relationship where we trust each other, where if you're saying something to me, I know your heart's in the right place. I know you're not trying to, and this is when we're talking about serious things, not like when you're joking about my hair, but Mm -hmm. you know, well, we can't joke about what doesn't exist, but sorry, continue. Thank you. So what we want to talk about is kind of just, how how we can have conversations with people that don't necessarily agree with us because it feels like and it i mean i think a lot of people would agree that 
it's difficult to have a conversation with somebody that does not share your views. And you, you and I, and Wilkie and I kind of separately have been having these dialogues about how, how to just change that. So in, in your mind, what do you see as the biggest challenge, Ben, to having conversations with people that don't necessarily agree with you from your perspective? Hey, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to ask a small favor. If you are a teacher that is early in their career and you would be willing to have a conversation with us for the podcast, we would love for you to reach out to us on social media uh, at value it's value on Instagram at its.will.law.iii or at its Kyle Krieger. You can find us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, reach out and let us know if you'd be interested because we want to understand what the new teacher experience is like we want to know the things you're struggling with the things you're finding success in so we can build a set of questions and really make our interviews with experienced teachers professionals outside of teaching that much more meaningful to new teachers in bringing them you know, the resources that will help them find success. So if you'd be willing to help us, please reach out, let us know at value adds value on Instagram. Otherwise at it's Kyle Krieger at it's dot will dot law dot I I I wherever you want to find us. Otherwise we're going to get back to it and we hope you enjoy more of this episode. Uh, the, the idea of identity politics that people invest their whole being not in not in who they are as a unique individual, but with like their political party, or it doesn't even have to be politics always, but like just a certain set of, of values or ideals that they align with. And any, any deviation, any other thought contrary to that is a shot at them personally, right? So if you have a certain set of political ideals and we're talking about, and we don't do this, but hypothetically speaking, if you had a certain set of political ideals and I said something contrary to that, you receive it as a personal shot against yourself because mm. that you define yourself based on that, not, not, not on who you are as a unique individual, but based on that. And, you know, we keep hearing the, 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 the term identity politics and things like that. And I think it can expand beyond just, politics but it's right now especially with the media and everything like that it's what's at the forefront right it's this this idea of identity politics and if you disagree with me it's i mean knuckle up because we're about to fight which is yeah. not okay i think that and also like in addition to that and this is just this is something that i i can't back up with fact right this next piece right is that you know we've we've come into a day and age where we invest so much time on our phones and on digital media, on social media and things like that. Where instead of when when we were growing up, we would have human interactions and we would learn things from the people around us and we would have these experiences. And now instead of experiencing things, me myself, I live vicariously through I can live vicariously through other people. So it leads to a sort of distortion of, of what you would be normally, right? 
you're not having a true experience. You're having a virtual experience and there's more distance from the people around you. And you don't recognize how the things that you do, the things that you say impact the people around you. I know that I have a reputation in your eyes of giving you a hard time, but I would never dream of saying something so outright offensive, right? That it would completely just crush your world, right? And I understand that because I've had enough life experiences to know what is acceptable, what what is appropriate in a certain time and place, mm-hmm. right? And now we don't. Now we're to the point thanks to the, the means of communication that we have right now that are convenient and they do lead to higher efficiency, but they, I feel right. And there are examples out there that, that it's led to a distorted way to talk to where I can, I can punch out insults all day on Twitter of things that you would never say to somebody ever right, just rude right. and offensive and disrespectful outside of the realm of, of normal human interaction. Even if I disagree with you, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's a part of it too. That you know, especially with you two guys, is you have been my accountability system for probably the last seven years. Like I have measured myself against the expectations that I have of of the two of you. Like I know that the two of you are. The people that people that know me know what I'm about, um, and and when I'm not doing the things that I should, you're the kind of people that, um, to use a, a term that we've used a lot with you, Ben, you help me, you you two help me hold the standard, and and I've never it it, it is hard to have the two of you chew my ass. But I've never once felt that either of you chewed my ass when I didn't deserve it. Like, you know, whether it's Will kind of on my on my social life or my academic life or Ben, you know, you with my social life or my fitness life, like you two are the ones that are like, hey, this is not this is not who who you are, who you want to be. And I think it goes back to that. You can go all the way back to biblical saying that iron sharpens iron. And when you understand that concept, then you start realizing that I can't use cotton to sharpen my my field knife. I can't, because if my field knife is dull and I put cotton on it, then cotton is gonna grab hold to all those little serrated edges and it's gonna make a bigger mess. I need something that's just as tough as it is to rub up against it in order to sharpen it. So we, we've gotten to the point in our society where we've kind of, we got a lot of cotton people and cotton doesn't, can't be sharpened. And so you, you, you have to, it's like everything is mirrored around this political correctness when Again, I'm all for having tact, for having some, for not being completely uncool. But at the same time, if, 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 if I'm screwing up, I don't need you to come give me the long-winded, nice guy way to say, hey, you know, you know, we were looking at your productivity and we noticed that you've kind of started to slack and, you know, when you used to come in. No, no, no. 
bro, you, you, you used to be here before everybody else. Why are you late now? That's not offensive to me. You know what I mean? To me, it's more offensive when someone who I call a friend feels that they can't come to me and say that. That's offensive to me because then it, it makes me look at myself like, okay, what is it about me that my own friends feel like they can't correct me? You know what I mean? Because if, if my circle is a bunch of people who are going to let me be, oh, man. No. Left to my own devices, man. Eee. Well, and, and I think like Ben was saying about the identity politics and, you know, you have the echo chamber and a lot of people are, mm-hmm. are, you know, not necessarily like what you said, letting you do the things that you're doing, but they're reinforcing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is something, Ben, you and I have talked about a bunch is, you know, finding diverse sources and being willing, willing to look more than just in the popular places like and and being willing to to take a look at other opinions and and here's an example like uh we you and i have had continuing conversations about the kyle rittenhouse situation in kenosha wisconsin you know and and that is a situation where so many people have jumped on both sides of it Mm -hmm. and as a part of our justice system, the kid is innocent until he's found guilty. Mm-hmm. And the kid deserves every legal re- recourse that is at his disposal to his defense. But we have also had conversations about the bigger picture of, you know, how could that situation have been prevented? Yeah. How, how could that situation have not escalated to what it became? And, and and how do we work to to not have situations like that come again? Because and the reason I bring the situation up is because it's easy for me, in my perspective, to see things a certain way, to see this as you know a kid who went down there trying to be GI Joe, and and you know killed killed two people and injured a third with no remorse. And then you look at another point of view and they talk about how when he initially showed up, he was scrubbing graffiti off of buildings and, you know, supplying first aid to, to people that were protesters that were violent, you know, uh, rioters, sorry, uh, that were going out and getting pepper sprayed by the police. He was trying to help wash pepper spray out of their eyes and didn't matter if they lined up politically with them or not, you know, there's it just depends on the source that you go to one source is focusing more on that and another source is focusing more on the the lives that were lost and one source is talking about the criminal records of the lives that were lost as as justification for their lives being lost another source is talking about his you know time and and what the the environment the, the wholesome environment he grew up in as a child and things like that and that he's only 17 and you know, and, and you get you get different angles. You get skewed angles either way. We've talked about our own personal opinions, and I don't want to de- deviate too much off onto that. But I see how you're intertwining it in here that, you know, the, the sources you go to are, it seems like everything is skewed. Everything. Every, every news source, everyone is skewed. I think the ones that I respect are the ones that are like, hey, we are this way. 
you know, I listen to some things that are not like nationally broadcast network news sources. And that's typically where I get my news from. And they're just straight up. They're like, these are our, these are our leanings. This is our bias. And you know, for me, that helps me see through their skew, their, their slant, if you will, their angles, you know? Yeah. It, and at least you're, you're seeing, you know, that, that there is, uh, you know, a bias to each and it's, and the strangest thing to me on the news side, when you have these giant news organizations is they almost pretend that they're not slanted. They, yeah. they, they proclaim their side as true, fair and balanced or whatever you want to say, journalism. Hmm. And you use this particular set of terms there. I feel like you're referring to a specific no, news agency. I, and, and, and well, yes, the, the a news one, agency that it, is fair and balanced. You know, and and that's a hard thing because it's it it is you know they're they're all sides are preaching that this is true a true reflection uneditorialized and you know there's a thing let's just let's just take CNN and Fox News for example. If you watch those stations from, say, nine in the morning until three in the afternoon, on both of them, you're primarily just going to get unfiltered news. It's, it's the morning shows and the evening shows. Peak hours. The peak hours that you get the opinion side. Mm-hmm. And but shouldn't we, but in, 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 I, mean, I don't want to cut you off, but we're talking about how to have conversations with people of opposing views. Shouldn't I, shouldn't I hear your opinion? And shouldn't you hear my opinion? And then we should look at the facts. And not the facts through the lens of each of our opinions, because you can't get to the facts until you first look through the lens of each other first. I need to see how you see it. You need to see how I see it. Now let's see what really happened. And let's take that it, that perspective into what we're looking at and making decisions based off of. You know, because so you brought up you, Kyle Ritt. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, go ahead. You're no, still I'm saying on, you brought up Kyle, you brought up Kyle Rittenhouse, and I can bring up uh Trayvon Martin. You know what I mean? I, I can bring up the young man who's in a park where he's supposed to be with a play gun like he should have, and he wasn't given the opportunity to stand trial. He was guilty before proven innocent. So when you're talking about having conversations of opposing views, we have to first understand that our views are opposed, that you're not standing on the word of truth and I'm not standing on the word of truth, that we're standing on what we believe because what we see thing is gonna be based on what our belief system is. Once that's established, then, you can have a conversation about what the facts of the situation have. My wife and I just watched the manhunt killers on um, Netflix with uh, the Richard Jewell story. Yeah. The, uh, the, that's a super good show. We watched it too about the Olympic the Olympic bombing, the right. Olympic park bombing in 96. Right. And so the whole time I'm watching it, I'm looking at how the system wanted everyone to see one way and everyone saw it. Everyone, regardless of what the facts were, regardless of what the facts were, the system said, no, we're going to put it here because we got to put an end to it because 
we got to make things back right. And you heard it. We got to get people back at the games. We got to make people feel safe at the games. That's what they kept saying in the whole show. Leading up to, you know, before they, you know, before they realized, okay, okay, now it's been a year and this is still, still going on. Now it's going on in different places with the same signature. So again, I think that we have to get to the point to where we can see each other's opposing views, gain an understanding from them, and now let's digest the facts. Uh-huh. But a lot of times- just. Just to kind of to break down what you're saying that you so you said we have our baseline values and ideals right that that are going to form my opinions and we should be able to express those and then we use our own morals our own our own code our own values our own opinions when something arises in our nation be it Rittenhouse Trayvon Martin. Uh, the COVID relief bill, whatever, and then we use the facts from that? Are you saying that we develop an opinion about that particular item without facts and then use the facts to filter out? So you're saying we develop the, the opinion bef- before knowing about all the circumstances? With it? Because we, want, we don't know all the circumstances at first. What we know is what the news give us. Mm-hmm. And what the news gives us is what they want to put forth. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then we know that what we're getting is not the unadulterated truth. You know, but, you know, even when you go back and you look at the Breonna Taylor situation, you know, talk about difficult conversations. Oh, her boyfriend was a drug dealer. She 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 was she tried to give her as say she was the queen pen of a drug organization. Seriously, she was an EMT. Uh-huh. She worked to save lives and you took her life and don't want to own that. You don't want to own it because again, perspective says from the other side, my skin color says I'm guilty until I prove myself innocent. And most of the time, if I'm put in a situation, I don't get the opportunity to prove that. Why? Because nobody wants to sit down and have the conversation about what is the real issue. And that's what we need to get to, to the point of, Take, take the chip off your shoulder, take the bass out your voice, you know, let, let, let's bring everything down to a, a calm simmer and have a conversation. And that is, the, that is the downfall of our society right now is that we feel like if you are against me, if you don't agree with me, then you're against me and you're my enemy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear you down. I'm going to take you out. And those are the those are the terms you hear people say, just for not believing in you. Mm-hmm. When did that ever happen in our society? Yeah. That just because I don't agree with you, now all of a sudden I I become suspect to being you gonna you gonna call me a terrorist or you anti-American because you don't agree with my views. That's what America was supposed to be—a big pot of gumbo, right? Sausage and shrimp don't come from the same place. right but the whole idea behind America is to put everything in a melting pot blend it all together to where you can't separate the sausage and the shrimp and the roux anymore because it's all together Uh right now our roux is bad in the United States what is good everybody thanks for checking out this episode number 303 of value adds value with our friend uh, Ben Scoggin um 
it's hard for me to quantify the impact that Ben has had on my life and continues to have. Um, and we just love having the conversations with him to get a fresh perspective for ourselves and to share that perspective with our listeners. And this particular conversation was a long time coming over the last year in the conversations we had all been having about how do we literally just have conversations we don't with people that we don't necessarily agree with or have different views. So um, we hope you enjoyed this first part. The second part will be out on Friday. Um, and as always, we really appreciate you being a part of the podcast. Please subscribe, share, like, and we will see you at the end of the week. Thank you.